Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Package Tourist, hosted by yours truly, The Package Tourist and the magical mystery tour called Life, Matthew DiBiaz. Tonight, our featured guest is author Jacob Kornhauser. Jacob is a digital video producer for Fox Sports in Los Angeles. He has worked previously for ESPN and in local television stations in Missouri and Oregon. In 2018, Jacob released his first book, 100 Moments That Shape Baseball History, An Easy Guide to America's Pastime, complete with trivia. In February this year, Jacob released his second book, The Cup of Coffee Club, 11 Players and Their Brush with Baseball History. Since its release, The Cup of Coffee Club has received rave reviews from baseball experts and writers such as famed political columnist and baseball historian George Will, who states, and I quote, the title is inspired, and its human interest stories are well told, unquote. And it is this book which will be the main topic for our discussion in tonight's show. Jacob, what led you to write about baseball players who had a cup of coffee uh, in their major league careers? Well, I think sort of peculiar stuff like that has always interested me in baseball. It's the only sport, you know, that is kind of in the mainstream that has interesting stuff like that happen where you could watch a baseball game, even if you're a diehard fan and you could see something you've never seen before. So I think I've always been drawn to the peculiar nature, I guess, or the unique nature of baseball and then something that was unique enough um, to where only, you know, a few hundred players um, have ever had this, um, especially recently. I thought it was really interesting to kind of dive in to, to their psyche and to their journey and kind of see where these guys overlapped and see where they were maybe different along their journey too. Would you please explain to our listeners who might not understand what the term cup of coffee means? What exactly is the baseball term, a cup of coffee? What does it, what does it stipulate? Yeah, so it really just refers to players who – didn't spend very much time in the major leagues. Um, of course, in this book, it's used to refer to players who played literally just one game in the major league. Um, but the idea is that, you know, they were only there long enough to drink a cup of coffee and then they were back down. So that's where the idea comes from. And we've kind of boiled it down to the most extreme cases where it's these guys who literally only played uh, one game in the major leagues. You know, they had their minor league rise up to the majors, um, got their one game, and then for whatever reason, injuries, um, different circumstances they never got back. Was it difficult selecting the 11 players you featured in your book? How exactly did you track these guys down? Yeah, so once I started seriously researching the topic, um, I got a list of probably 40 or so names um, of just people that it would make sense to do it for. And then I started diving into those stories and kind of narrowing it down. I really had about 25 um, that I was interested in and thought uh, would make good inclusions for the book. Now, a handful of those didn't want to do the book. A handful um, I couldn't reach, you know, within the time frame that, that I was doing this. But I was really confident that I could get about half of those guys. And we did obviously settle on 11 uh, of those players. So I was really happy with some of the guys that we got. Um, obviously, there are still a few out there that, you know, maybe – um, turn into another type of story uh, eventually. But I was I was happy with the 11 that we got out of a group of roughly 25 or so I identified as kind of the most compelling stories of guys that fell into this group. When you interviewed these players, were there common factors as to why they're, they're, they literally had a cup of coffee in the major league? Were there commonalities or was there a wide diversity of uh, factors that uh, cut short their very brief careers? 
Yeah, there were a handful of factors um, that I think most, if not all, touched on one of them. And, of course, injuries would be one. Uh, when you're young and, and you make a debut and then you can't stay healthy, obviously that's one barrier to getting back into the league. Um, so that's certainly one of them. Uh, one guy, actually, Ron Wright, though, overcame an injury to eventually play in the major leagues. Um, so this was a little different. But then there's just the psychological aspect um, and kind of the, the competition within uh, minor league teams. And a lot of times you just saw bad timing where guys – were maybe behind the guy at the major league level who was just breaking out and so they didn't really have a position in, with their major league team, but they didn't get traded or, or couldn't find another team. Um, so they were left out, um, guys getting in off the field trouble or what have you. Um, but I think injuries and timing were probably the two main ones that I saw a lot of um, in terms of guys just um, kind of missing their chance, so to speak, um, whether it be because they got injured and, and kind of ran out of time or guys that were just in the wrong organization, so to speak, that uh, couldn't crack it for more than one game. Of the 11 players you featured in the book, I mean, I know through my own, you know, uh, reading of baseball, there were some players, like, they were like phenoms at the minor at the minor league level, like AAA, but when it came to the majors, right. they, they fizzled out. Were any of these 11, like, you know, minor league wonders, but when it came to the, playing in the show, it just they just couldn't translate well? Were, were there any people sure. like that? Yeah, there weren't a ton that were top prospects. So Ron Wright, who I mentioned earlier, um, he was probably the best overall prospect out of the guys that are featured in the book. Um, but as I mentioned, he suffered a serious injury, uh, which made it pretty incredible that he even ended up playing in the major leagues because, of course, the injury took place before he debuted. Um, so I would say his story was more kind of overcoming adversity um, to a career that seemed like it was going to be, you know, a decade or more in the big leagues. And then... Uh, to even get one game was pretty impressive for him, given the nature of his injury. Um, there were a couple other guys that were decently highly touted. Uh, John Ratliff was drafted in the first round of the majors um, and then never really panned out. And he was the ultimate example of what I was talking about earlier with timing, where he was just behind a bunch of guys. Um, he was at the Cubs organization and didn't do very well. And then he went to the Braves um, during a time when obviously they had a three-headed monster there. And then it wasn't until... He went to the athletics, but he, he really got a chance. And even there, um, his chance was kind of stunted because they had a lot of uh, young arms coming up around the money ball era. So um, I think those two guys are probably the biggest examples of sort of uh, guys who were supposed to have long major league careers. But I don't think that either of them, you could say that they fizzled out. I think uh, one was a case of bad timing. And in Ron Wright's case, it was a case of overcoming injuries. When dealing when you were interviewing these players, when dealing with their emotions, was there a more a sense of sadness when you know when they discussed their, their brief exposure to Major League Baseball? Or was there more bitterness when it came to those? When looking back at it all, what was was there like a commonality to their emotions? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised um, when I was going in. I really wanted to see where most of them fell on kind of the bittersweet spectrum, you know, because obviously there's going to be bitter and sweet feelings for these guys who, you know, lived a dream of so many young kids who want to uh, be a major league baseball player. But then again, you know, they worked their whole lives and they only got this one game. So certainly I knew there were going to be aspects of both, but I didn't know kind of how close to either side of the spectrum some of these guys would be. And I was surprised because. I think that I found that most of these guys were actually closer to the sweet side um, of that spectrum. And I think a lot of them look back with fondness uh, rather than with regret about 
how their careers turned out. And maybe, you know, that's the defense mechanism about how it turned out. Um, or maybe it's completely 100% genuine about how it turned out. But that's at least how it was expressed to me. Um, a few of the guys seemed maybe a little more bitter than sweet. But on the whole, out of the 11, I'd say the vast majority um, kind of looked back more fondly on their careers. And, I mean, we've got guys ranging, of course, in debut years from 1958 to 2008. So some of these guys have had way more time to think about kind of their career and come to peace with it. Um, but actually a lot of the, the guys that have played even since the turn uh, of the 21st century have been some of the most, uh, cl the closest to the sweet side of the spectrum. Um, so I think that surprised me a little bit that these guys who haven't had as much time to reflect on their careers still appreciate them for, for what they are and they aren't super bitter about it. Now, one of your players featured in the book later became a major league manager. Can you tell us about him? Yeah, Jeff Bannister, uh, who most people probably know, uh, at least outside of Pittsburgh, as being uh, the Texas Rangers manager for several years. And he was the Rangers manager. Uh, when I spoke to him uh, several times for this book, um, and so he was uh, in the Pirates organization for a long time. That's the team that he ended up uh, debuting with and playing with, and then he ended up coaching in their minor league system for decades um, before getting his chance um, with the Rangers. And he was also the bench coach for Clint Hurdle for a while um, in Pittsburgh. But he really has a crazy story of just overcoming a bunch of obstacles in his childhood. Um, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer when he was a teenager, um, was almost paralyzed in a game when he was in college. So uh, his story is definitely one of, overcoming obstacles and and being appreciative that he got that one game in the big leagues because several different points of his life, it never seemed like he was going to be able to play baseball again, much less, you know, be able to play at its highest level. So I think his story is one of the ones that resonates the most with me personally, because it just shows kind of um, the triumph of these types of stories rather than um, closer to that bitter side of what we talked about. When you're interviewing him, did his cup of coffee experience in the majors kind of help guide his philosophy as a manager and as a coach when it came to evaluating personnel? Did he apply that lesson, you know, like maybe give, you know, give greater consideration, you know, considering his own personal cup of coffee experience? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that he did it toward development uh, of players as much, but certainly in sort of the mindset, uh, you know, he talked about a couple different players that came up that season that we spoke. So the 2018 season, um, and was saying, you know, he, he always passes along kind of his experience to guys um, to just take everything in and kind of, you know, stand out on the field. And for your major league debut, you never know if your first game is going to be your last like his is. So you really just got to take in that experience and appreciate it for what it was. And I think that was a really great kind of microcosm about what the book is supposed to be about is, you know, you appreciate every day in the major leagues. And I hope through hearing some of these guys' stories of sort of their fleeting uh, baseball careers that people can appreciate uh, every individual day of the major league season more. Now, one of the players featured in your book was the son of a baseball hall of famer and two others featured in your book were brothers of baseball mm -hmm. hall of fame players. Now, when, when you were just when writing about them, did their family connections play a positive or perhaps an adverse role in having literally a cup of coffee in the major leagues? Can you talk, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I think it, it depended on the player. So Chuck Lindstrom, who uh, was the oldest player featured in the book, uh, he played for the White Sox in 1958, 
his dad, Freddie Lindstrom, uh, ended up being voted into the Hall of Fame uh, far after, you know, Chuck's debut and everything. He, I believe, was inducted in the 70s. So he wasn't yet a Hall of Famer, but he was a, he was a famous player. Um, and I think that probably hurt Chuck a little bit. He kind of grew up in his dad's shadow athletically. Um, and he ended up kind of uh, falling out of love with baseball, it, it seemed. You know, he kind of lost his passion for it. Um, and it was a very different time as well. So it's kind of different considerations um, from some of the other guys. But then you move to a guy like Stephen Larkin, who's the younger brother of Barry Larkin. And I think his connection helped him because the Larkins were a very, very athletic family. Um, you know, you got Byron at um, Xavier uh, for basketball and then another brother who played football at Notre Dame. So obviously a very athletically gifted family. And it was really cool because those two got to play together in their one game. Uh, and being eight years apart, uh, Stephen being eight years younger than Barry, they had never been able to play on the same sports team really for anything. So to be able to have their one game in their entire lives that they played on the same team be in the major league uh, is pretty cool, and I think that definitely helped him there. Um, but then you have Larry Yount, who I don't think it really impacted him much because he was the older brother of Robin Yount. Uh, so his brother was still in high school when he was kind of uh, making his way into Major League Baseball briefly and through the minors. Um, so I don't think it, it impacted uh, Larry Yount as much, but he did stay in baseball through Robin and kind of uh, helped negotiate contracts for him. Uh, so he established a, a rapport and a relationship with Bud Seeley, who of course would become the commissioner of baseball. So I think that was a cool anecdote and a cool way for him to stay involved in baseball even after his own playing career was over. Of the players you feature in the book, were they able to, you know, uh, at when their playing careers ended, have they been able to kind of, you know, prosper as as regular citizens, or did others have difficulties, you know, dealing with the non baseball world? Uh, what were their post baseball careers like? Yeah, I think the vast majority of them, I you would say, were have been very successful, which isn't always the case, um, you know, with guys who don't get that much time in the major leagues or who maybe you know have a year or two in the majors. Um, it takes an adjustment period to just your way of life. And you think of these guys, you know, if they spend a few years in the minors or even a few years in majors and you're retired before you're 30 years old, you know, your whole life has been baseball and that's all you really know. So it takes a year or two or sometimes more to really get acclimated with sort of quote unquote real life and, and what that is because you've been playing a boys game this whole time. So I think a lot of these guys were actually able to use their experience having been one-game players and being able to use that to their advantage in other areas, uh, whether it be real estate in the case of Larry Young, um, or opening up, you know, sort of their own baseball camp, uh, which was the case with Sam Marcinek. Um, they all have different stories, and, and most stayed in baseball, at least in some, you know, uh, convoluted way or a direct way for some of them. Um, but I think most of them uh, you would consider were successful. And I think for most, if not all of them, that was a direct result of their experience and their brief brush with baseball history and being able to, um, you know, have said they've faced adversity and they've climbed the kind of highest mountain in their profession, at least for one day. Jacob, please tell us about the website, the Cup of Coffee Club. I was, I looked through it. I was very intrigued by it. Would you please tell our listeners about it? Yeah, so it's called baseballcoffeeclub.com. And I thought it was, an interesting way to tell some of the stories that aren't told in the book. So there are several, uh, I don't know exactly how many, but it's got to be probably 30 or 40 articles about other uh, cup of coffee players, other guys who played just one game in the major league. 
And so obviously my project with the book was to tell the stories of, of living players who I could speak to, um, but these, and, and kind of, you know, flesh those stories out more. Um, on the website, it's kind of a more traditional, you know, uh, 500 to 1,000 word article telling basically the life story of some of these guys who um, either uh, have passed, who I wasn't able to talk to, or guys whose stories maybe weren't able to be fully fleshed out in book form, uh, and I still wanted to tell their stories. So it's just a, a nice sort of database, I guess, to, to look up some of these guys' stories and read about them, even if even if they're not in the book. Now, you mentioned earlier that you were tempted maybe uh, do a sequel to this. You think any of those people featured in the website might be future fodder uh, for a, a potential sequel, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to uh, try to revisit and pull from that initial list that I mentioned before of those 25 guys. You know, some turn me down. Maybe I'll follow up with them, um, but then also reach back out to some of the other people that I wasn't able to get into contact with. Um, but certainly some of the leads that I found just through putting together the website and, and some of those stories, um, at least for the, the living players, of course, um, it did give me some new leads that maybe I didn't find before. So um, it's definitely an option. I think I want to find sort of a more or a different unique angle on it. It certainly will still center around the fact that these guys played one game in the majors, but we'll see what kind of other facets we can dive into. But there's certainly way more stories to be told um, even than, the, the ones that I think were boiled down the best in, in this first book. Tell us more about yourself, Jacob. Where were you born and raised? Uh, Chicago. I was in the Chicago suburbs in uh, Crystal Lake, Illinois. Ooh, wow. So is it accurate? Were you a Cubs fan or a Chai Sox fan yeah. growing up? <laughs> no, I was a Cubs fan growing up. Diehard Cubs fan. Um, I went to school in Missouri, so that was kind of hard because uh, there were a lot of Cardinals fans there. But uh, uh University of Missouri, where I went, there were a lot of people from Chicago, too. So uh, it was kind of a clash of cultures there for, for Cubs and Cardinals fans. Um, but then I was back in Wrigleyville, um, kind of celebrating with friends when, when they won the World Series. So, uh, yeah, definitely a Cubs fan, born and raised. When you were growing up, who were your favorite authors? Uh, I mean, and of your favorite authors, did any of them kind of help inspire you to become a writer or influence your own personal writing style as you were growing up? Yeah, absolutely. There were a handful, but I think Tim Kirchner was probably the foremost uh, sort of baseball writer that I would read, you know, Ken Rosenthal as well. Um, and it was really cool because when I was working at ESPN, um, while I was still in college, I got to kind of establish a relationship with Tim and he actually was sort of a mentor for me on this project. Um, you know, I bounced ideas off of him in the early stages and everything. So if you had told sort of 10 to 12 year old me that that would be happening someday, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, so it was really cool to have, you know, my chief uh, inspiration for, for baseball writing and for wanting to pursue a project like that be someone right at the forefront that's kind of helping guide me. Uh, that was really cool. And obviously was was a big reason why this project actually turned out the way it is. Did you play baseball yourself? I did, yep, up through uh, high school and then a little in college just, you know, with uh, friends like on the club team at, at Mizzou and stuff like that. Um, so nothing nothing crazy, but it was a sport that I loved the most and I was best at. Um, so uh, I always enjoy playing softball now and stuff like that, kind of uh, at least staying in the game a little bit. What was your position? Uh, I played in the outfield, uh, mostly center field, sometimes uh, left field. Um, ever since the Little League, you know, once I started travel ball, um, I moved to the outfield and kind of loved the freedom of, you know, tracking down fly balls when there actually were any. Because, of course, in Little League, 
uh, anyone who's worth their salt is probably pitching a little bit, playing a little shortstop, um, and probably not playing in the outfield. But once you get to travel ball and stuff like that, you find it's actually pretty fun. Where can readers find your book, Jacob? Uh, they can find it in a bunch of different places. Uh, Indie Bound is where I'm emphasizing people to go, especially during uh, the pandemic, to help independent bookstores because uh, those proceeds will help independent bookstores. So if you just go to IndieBound.com uh, and, and search it, uh, the Cup of Coffee Club, you'll find it there. Amazon, of course, is another easy option. Uh, BarnesandNoble.com, another easy option. Really, if you just um, either choose, you know, your way of usually getting books and you just search the Cup of Coffee Club, that should work. You can even Google it and uh, some search results should come up. So uh, it should be relatively easy to find, hopefully. What led you, be, uh, Jacob, what led you to become a writer and an author? What, what stage of your life did you re- decide, I, like, I, want to, I want to write a book, I want to start writing? When did that happen? Yeah, it was pretty early on. I mean, I wanted to be a quote-unquote sports writer from the time I was in, you know, fourth or fifth grade. I think it was, I came to the realization a little earlier than, than a lot of kids that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, but I loved sports and I was good at writing and I enjoyed writing. And so I kind of drilled in on that as a way to stay involved with sports and a way to, I guess, tell sports stories, um, even if I wasn't quote-unquote the main character. So um, started doing that and that's what I went to school for, you know, journalism school. Um, more on the TV side than the writing side, but writing is something I've always done kind of uh, therapeutically and something that just keeps me occupied. And so I always had sort of this goal to write a baseball book and never had, you know, a topic that was um, unique enough or, or had enough, uh, you know, content to add to it to put together a full book until really coming to this idea in terms of a book that's all about one idea. Um, so once, once I realized that I had enough to go off of, uh, then this project was kind of, um, off to, off to the races for me, because, uh, once I realized that I had something like that, then I, I really dove into it at first. You know, there's a hundred million topics that you can write about, you know, baseball. I mean, but in a sense, you know, the right, the fact that you're writing about players who literally had a cup of coffee in their careers is it accurate to say that your book is literally a groundbreaking work? I mean, when you were doing your research, did you ever come across any previous baseball work, books that kind of uh, dealt with the same topic matter? There are a few that are similar. Um, I believe there's one other book uh, that touches on it briefly, um, but it's kind of these shorter stories and it's told almost uh, like this oral history, um, which is a cool storytelling method, uh, but it was written a long, long time ago. So I want to kind of modernize it and give it this, this kind of newer spin um, and give each individual guy their own chapter. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen much like this in terms of just telling these guys stories from start to finish and really giving each guy his own sort of full story arc. Um, so in that way, I was happy with how it turned out and kind of finding these guys connections to mainstream baseball players, you know, hall of famers, guys that everyone has heard of, to kind of put into context their career and the fact that they really did brush baseball history in terms of the guys they came in contact with and the teams they played for um, to really give people a further appreciation for the guys we don't hear about, um, you know, in, in baseball headlines and really let their stories be told. Jacob, do you have any idea what, uh, can you tell our listeners what your next book idea will be and when we can expect its release? Yeah, uh, so I actually co-wrote a book with my brother, who's always uh, been my editor on, on projects like this, um, and it hopefully should be coming out late this 
year, maybe early next year. Um, not too sure yet um, on the timeline, um, but that one is more of kind of a single narrative, um, and it centers around a uh, baseball player for uh, Oregon State baseball, uh, the collegiate team uh, at Oregon State. And he overcome, overcame a, a ton of obstacles kind of to be uh, where he was and where he is. Uh, he played for Oregon State between 2011 and 2013. So really a crazy kind of um, sad, emotional, you know, uplifting by the end story um, of this player who, uh, you know, was faced with horrible tragedy and kind of out of that um, was able to, to do something great. So that's kind of the next project on, on the docket. And hopefully, again, that comes out uh, either late this year or early next. Please let it. Please let me know when it does come out. I would love to have you on on my show again. We can talk about that book, okay, Jacob? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Jacob, I want to thank you so much for appearing on my show, and I wish you all the best of luck. And again, please let me know when your next release will come out, okay? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for next week's show, where I will be interviewing author David Wilson.